stand your feet. Let's worship the Lord this morning, all right? We're going to do a little bit of I Saw the Light. If you saw it, sing it out. If you hadn't seen it, come see me. We'll get that taken care of. Amen. Here we go. Of famine 
can find place and uh, be seated if you would. And uh, we are going to uh, have some announcements in just a moment. Brother Martin is coming this way. Good fellowship this morning. Give Brother Martin a big hand if you would. Oh. Well, I might too. Um, there have been lots of questions about the angels back there on the tree, and we didn't make it clear last week. There is no limit on how much you can give. If the, if the Lord lays it on your heart to give 5000 go right ahead and do it. We will use it. We will use it through the year. We have a new children's building back here that we are going to decorate and make nice, and that will be part of what your giving gives. We are blessed and honored to have about 70 youth in children's church children on a regular Wednesday and then we have a different group on Sundays a lot of time, and that adds to that. Um, what we do is however many kids we have on the list we need to give for, which is approximately 70, we'll take those funds, divide it by 70, and see what we have for each child. If a large donation comes in, we will use it um, throughout the year. So I uh, thank you in advance for all the questions, and maybe this clears it up. I feel somebody's convicted in the room to give a large donation. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> couldn't help it. All right, so do we have any first-time visitors here this morning? Signify it by raising your hand. All right, so um, we do have a full day of Wednesday activities. We have Bible study uh, right here in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. Uh, and then Wednesday night, we normally have a pretty good meal at 6. And then we have something for everybody at 7 p.m. Uh, Sunday school, I do encourage you to be here at 10 a.m. I'm guilty I was not here this morning. But uh, that is a great place to uh, iron, sharpen iron. Uh, we are in need of help of teachers and helpers with children and toddlers and every kid that comes through here. You just heard we have 70. Sometimes I think we have 100. And they're running all over the place. So, um, we do need help. See Miss Cindy on that. You can do your giving online uh, at giving.landmarktyler.com. Uh, it is a, through PayPal. Uh, you can also do it the old school way, which I still do. Uh, we do need volunteers uh, on the cleaning team. If you will see Miss Kate Johnson on that, uh, this church doesn't just automatically clean itself. We don't have one of those self-cleaning churches yet. Um, Ornaments. As you can see, we've got trees all over the place. Um, bring an ornament for your family, um, and it'll represent your family on our tree. Uh, also, we have some angels back here. You can put money in an envelope and just designate it to that. Your family ornament, there's bags up here. You can get one, put your ornament there, and we will keep adding to it every single year. I still have not gotten mine in, but it's on the way. Uh, our holiday schedule. Uh, so December 24th, we are going to have a 5 p.m. candlelit Christmas here. Christmas falls on Sunday this year. Am I correct in saying that? On Sunday this year. So we will have a Christmas Eve service. Um, I think we're going to do communion, sing some songs, have some family, just church family time. Uh, there will be no service on Sunday, December 25th and no activities on Wednesday, December the 28th. Normally we get two Wednesdays off. This year we're only getting one Wednesday off, so we still have everything going on December the 21st. So uh, just wanna make you aware of that. No life recovery class today at one. And then last but not least, our Chapel Hill Bulldogs. They made it to the semifinals for the second straight year. Amanda and I did get a chance to go down there, but they just couldn't pull it out. So um, I do want to show you something real quick because I don't, I don't know. A lot of you may be on Facebook or whatever. This is probably something I'm more proud of than anything. You know, people get mad if we cancel school. People get mad if we don't take them down on Wednesday and pay for hotels. There's always somebody that has an opinion, but this is probably the most proud thing I, I'm proud of just being part of this community. 
Go ahead and play that video. It might be a little bit hard to... Bring it up here. All right? Senior, you have left a legacy. All right? In three years, fellas, you have played 43 games. That's unheard of. There ain't anybody else in the state that can do what you've done. And I'm extremely proud of you. I appreciate your fight. I appreciate your hard work. I appreciate you bringing it every day. All right? I love every one of you. You guys were eighth graders when I got here. Second semester in eighth grade year. All right? I watched you grow up. I watched boys become men. And I'm more proud of that than anything we did on this place. I love every one of you, and I'm proud of you. And when you look back on the resume of what you've done, you're going to be proud of what you've done. I know it hurts right now. And I'm hurt right now for everyone you see. Right? But don't take away what you've done. Be proud of what you've done. You see me? Keep your chin high. Keep your confidence high. Because you did this. Right? Two years in a row. That's the go ahead. That's the head coach talking to the team after the game, and he he came in. He said, "We have code blue, God, family, team. That's the order of things. God, family, team." Now, what a lot of people don't know or don't see is that there have been lots of young men or just young people that have been saved since those coaches have been there. There's been many times when coaches have gone to uh, churches to watch those young men get baptized. You know, they teach them the X's and O's, but this, I guess this makes me proud because he said, number one, I love you. Number two, I'm proud of you. Number three, we love football, but life is so much bigger than football. Who you are matters more than what you do. And that is a ministry that I believe rings true with Landmark. Um, Manda, come up here. <laughs> she didn't know I was going to do this. This hits home because that's the message that we've been blessed to be able to bring to the kids that have been at this church for the past 15 years. And so last year, I mean, last week I bragged on our church. I bragged on, you know, what we do, how we serve the community. And she wasn't here last week, so I couldn't brag on her. And so a lot of times, you know, I get the accolades. Oh, Martin, you did so good. Oh, Martin, you've, you've done this, you've done that. I couldn't do it without you. Everything that's ever been accomplished has been because she's had my back in it. There's a lot of times when... I should have probably asked instead of asking for permission. <laughs> I mean, for forgiveness, I should have asked for permission. But through it all, she's always had my back in that, and I think that gets lost sometimes. And so I just wanted to brag on you this morning because she wasn't here last week. You know, when I first came to her many years ago, I was like, hey, I got some big news. She's like, what? I'm surrendering to the ministry, she said. I know. Talk about letting the air out of my balloon. I said, how do you know? She said, God told me about six months ago. You're just a little slow. I've been waiting for you to tell me. But he's been preparing me. Now, I think if she would have been able to see the whole road, she might have been like, wait, Lord, wait, Lord. 
we need to back up on this because we've taken kids into our house. We've, we've bought kids stuff when we didn't have the money. We've invested in kids, and a lot of times it's been at the sacrifice of whatever may be going on in our lives. And that is what those coaches do right there and their families. I don't know if you've ever fed an offensive line. I never have, but I've seen what those boys eat. And so I wanted our community to be aware that the coaches at that school is so much more important what they're doing than just football. They are teaching young people how to be young men, how to have character, and they're teaching what we teach here of God family team. I love you. I'm proud of you. Let this be a highlight of your life, not the highlight, because there's so much more ahead of you, and I couldn't do that without my partner. So, <laughs> Helpmate. Helpmate's the word I was looking for. Helpmate. So, again, thank you. And thank you for always having my back. Amen. Amen. That's a smart man right there. <laughs> With the husbands taking note in the room. Amen. Listen, we can't, ministry is hard. It is not easy. It is not for the weak at heart. And it is not for those who give up easily. Amen. And uh, you got to have that helpmate. You got to have that partner. Amen got to have somebody standing behind you hold you up when everything else is falling apart around you amen so that's good hey one uh, one last clarification on the uh, on the angel tree what we need you to do is if you're giving money to the angel tree put the actual money in an envelope and put the uh, right angel tree on the envelope how much it is put that in the basket take an angel write the amount you gave put that back on the tree that way, that's going to make it easy when we get ready. All we got to do is gather the angels, count the amounts, and we have a total. That's the reason we're doing it that way. So money goes in the uh, the uh, envelope and in the basket. Write the amount on the tree. You don't have to write your name. We want it to be anonymous. So just write your amount that you gave on the tree. Hang it back on the tree for us, okay? Let's stand again, if you would, and let's sing a little bit of Christmas music. Hark, the herald angels sing with King of Heaven come down.
be seated. I'm going to sing a song about gratitude.
love you this morning, God. We thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your grace. Lord, we come before you with hearts of gratitude today. And God, would you speak into our hearts now as we continue to worship through the preaching of your word, God. Would you be strong in this place, Holy Spirit. Do a work in all of our hearts and all of our lives, God. We give you all the praise and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering, if you would, one last time. If you have uh, children who would like to go to Children's Church, they can go towards the door there and meet uh, Miss Cindy there, all right? Give our children, our children's workers, a big hand, if you would, amen. Well, we're getting close to Christmas, so I wanted to give you a Christmas message today, all right? Can I do that? The gifts of the wise men. Now, there are many, many uh things about Christmas that we kind of have as a tradition, and quite honestly, I don't know if I'm going to just burst your bubble or ruin your Christmas, but a lot of them are not accurate. Um, how many of you believe that Jesus was actually born on December 25th? He was not. Uh, most likely, most scholars agree it was probably in the springtime sometime, okay? But December 25th is the day that we choose to recognize the birth of our Lord and Savior. I always say, the day is not important, the date is not important, but what happened on that day is important. We don't know the exact day, so that's, you just pick one, and we picked one, all right? And so that's a wonderful thing. The gifts of the wise men. How many wise men were there? Not necessarily. We assume, it's always been said that there were three wise men because there were three, what? Gifts. Actually, most scholars believe there were many wise men, uh, but there were three gifts. And so, uh, again, didn't come to ruin your Christmas, just uh, kind of let you see. Sometimes uh, everything we get in tradition is not always completely accurate. But I wanted to kind of hone in on the three gifts, and really, in particular, one, one of the gifts, all right? Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 for our first scripture. And this is what happened with these wise men. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we're going to hold with that scripture right there for a second. Now, again, here's another myth that Jesus was still in the cradle, in the manger. No, the, most people believe, most Bible scholars believe the journey took them two years. So by the time they reached Jesus, he's most likely around two years old. That's why you'll notice that it says, and they saw the what? Young child. All right? And so, but they finally reached their destination. They find the baby Jesus, and they present these three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, there are no incon uh, inconsiderate or in small details in the Word of God. Uh, everything means something, and everything has a special purpose. Uh, so these three gifts, even, there is great uh, uh, meaning in these three gifts uh, as to what was being prophesied that this baby was going to be. Gold, you can probably guess. Gold is what you would bring to a king, all right? Gold means royalty. It would be uh, brought to a king. Uh, frankincense. Uh, and you can go and buy some. In fact, it's supposed to be good for arthritis. My wife went and bought me some. You can get oil of frankincense. And it has healing properties. It's supposed to be good for arthritis. I'm putting a bunch of drops on my hand. All I can tell at this point, it's made me very oily. All right? <laughs> but it, sure, it smells good. It smells very good. Uh, but it, it has healing properties to it. And so frankincense is what the high priests would use in the temple. So the gold represents that Jesus is going to be our king. The frankincense represents that he is going to be our high priest. And then where I'm really going to hone in today, though, is that last one. Uh, looks weird, doesn't it? It's a word that probably none of us have heard a whole lot about. What is myrrh? So, again, gold stood for the king. Frankincense stood for that he's our high priest. But here's an interesting fact about myrrh. Myrrh was a valuable gum-like substance, like, like chewing gum kind of. And it's mentioned 17 times as the, in the Bible. And one of its purposes was as an anesthetic. 
If you'll remember, there's another scripture that uses, uh, talks about myrrh. It's when Jesus is on the cross and it says they dip the sponge in wine mixed with myrrh and they give it to him to drink. And it was meant as an anesthetic to deaden him. And you know, you remember Jesus refused it. Why? Because Jesus wanted to be full of his own mind. He didn't want anything to take away the pain. It, it was, they were giving it basically as a painkiller. And Jesus wanted to suffer fully. And so he is called, even in that instance, uh, another name for him is a suffering servant. And he wanted to suffer to the full extent for you and for I. But there was one main purpose for myrrh. Myrrh was commonly most known as used to embalm the dead. It was what they used to embalm dead bodies. And so uh, this scripture is saying these, these gifts all mean something. So he is being prophesied that this baby Jesus is going to be our king. He's going to be our high priest. But then that last one, that he is going to be the suffering servant who will give his life and who will die for the sins of many. Myrrh using to embalm the dead. Okay? Um, I want you to go where we're going to be a lot of today is we're going to be in Isaiah, uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Um, he was born to die for the sins of the world. But guess what? This was all predicted by Isaiah, and uh, I think uh, one other time I said a thousand years. I actually uh, went back and did some research. It's actually Isaiah was written 700 years before the birth of Christ, so, so uh, to be exact, 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah is prophesying about this Messiah that is to come, and it is amazing Again, when you go back and you read Isaiah, it is talking about Jesus Christ. And it can boggle your mind and blow your mind when you think that this was written 700 years before Jesus showed up. So uh, we're going to kind of just work through several of the verses. Uh, but we're going to start with Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. And it says this about us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, who is him? Jesus the iniquity of us all. All right? So this is saying, this is, again, prophesying that our Messiah is going to come, and the Lord has laid on him. What is iniquity? Our sin, the payment for our sin. The Lord has laid on him the payment for our sin for us all, for you, for me. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Can I get an amen? And so this is what Isaiah is prophesying about, and uh, it compares us to sheep. Now, you've heard me preach on sheep before. I don't mean to offend anybody, but he didn't call us lions. He didn't call us bald eagles. He didn't call us gazelles. All those things we would have liked to have been compared to, he chooses to compare us to sheep. Sheep are dumb. Uh, did you know you can train almost every other animal, but you cannot train a sheep? That's why shepherds have that big staff with that big old bowl that big old knot on the end of it. Because the only way you can really get a sheep's attention is knock him on the head. And you remember the story. I love the story, too, of uh, when the sheep would keep running away, what would the shepherd have to do? He'd use that rod and he'd break the leg of the sheep. And then he would put that sheep over his shoulders. And you've probably seen the picture of Jesus with the, the sheep, the lamb, over his shoulder carrying it. And that's how the shepherd would do. And he would set the leg. And then when that leg healed, He'd set the sheep back down, and the story goes that once that sheep was put down and the leg was healed, that sheep would never leave the side. It stayed right on the leg of the shepherd with its loyalty. So I want you to understand uh, three things about sheep. You're not going to like these, but they're very true. Number one, sheep are weak. Sheep have no defense system. That's why they had to have a shepherd. That's why somebody has to watch over them. Uh, fight away the wolves and the bears and the predators, anything that would want to eat the sheep. Uh, sheep have no way to almost every other animal, again, has a defense system. Sheep have no defense system. Number two, sorry about this, sheep are not smart. Uh, again, they are one of the dumber animals. Uh, and uh, I'll just leave that one alone. All right. Uh, <laughs> number three thing is sheep are wayward. Sheep have a tendency to wander off. In other words, sheep are a little bit ADD. 
Now, 20, 30 years ago, I don't know if anybody even knew what that was, but we all know what that is today. We're all a little bit ADD. We're easily distracted. We easily lose our focus many times. We start off being very passionate about the Lord and uh, very passionate about our relationship with the Lord, but somewhere down the line, just get a little ways down the road, we kind of lose focus, don't we? All we like sheep have gone astray. Amen. Sheep are wayward. Um, see if this sounds familiar. Sheep don't do great on their own. When left to their own devices unsupervised, they don't do very good. Sound familiar? Uh, sheep tend to get stressed out very easily. You ever, if you're ever around a, a flock of sheep, run at them. They'll just take off in all directions. They're very stressed. They're very easy to be anxious. They're very easy to overwhelm them. That's, what, again, why they have to have a shepherd. Sound familiar? Um, they don't exercise. They eat too much. They don't rest enough. Uh, they overspend. No, that's, that's not them. That's us. But it sounds familiar, doesn't it? In other words, uh, if they were humans, they would overspend, overwork, overworry, and have a tendency to chase things. Chase the things of this world and not the peace of this world. Sheep are wayward. Would you agree that we are like sheep? I think it was the perfect thing to compare us to, even though it's not very flattering. It's the perfect thing to compare us to. Let's go to Isaiah uh, chapter 53, verses 3 through 5. And see if this sounds familiar. Again, 700 years before Jesus is born. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, is that a coincidence 700 years before he's born? No. How would he know 700 years before that he was going to have straps on his back, all over his body, really, and by those straps, we are healed? Um, why did Jesus have to die? I got to be honest with you. There's a song that came out years ago. I'm dating myself here, but it was by a group called For Him, if you remember that group. And they came out with a Christmas song years ago, and it's called A Strange Way to Save the World. And it looks at the Christmas story, and it looks at the story of salvation, and it says, nobody would ever have written this story, because this is such a strange way to save the world. For Jesus to come as a baby in a manger, no pomp and circumstance, uh, live as a common man, as a carpenter's son, and that he would be bruised, he would go to a cross, for you and me, and die and have to suffer. Why would God do that? Why didn't God just come down with a million angels and just, boom, smoke them all and say, here he is, boom, king of kings and lord of lords. Everybody get on your knees. That's what we would have written. But this is such a strange way to save the world. Why was he wounded for our transgressions? Why was he bruised for our iniquities? Why did he have to take on our stuff. I believe it's for this reason. Jesus wanted to understand our pain and our sorrow. He was uh, sorrowful. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane? He is on his face crying out to the Lord, Lord, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then it says that he literally sweat drops of blood did you know you might have thought well that's kind of maybe that's just an exaggeration no that is a real medical condition the uh term for it and i'll probably butcher it is hemosiderosis and in hemosiderosis it's when you're so stressed that the capillaries around your head uh break and the sweat pours out and you leak blood into the sweat 
that's from too much stress. You can stress yourself so much that the capillaries bust and the sweat drops of blood come out. Um, he was arrested. He was falsely accused. Let me just make the list here. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand, but some have been arrested. It's a shameful thing, isn't it? But guess what? You're in company with our Savior. He was falsely accused. Anybody in here ever been falsely accused? Had to fight to save your own character? You're in good company. He was unfairly treated. Ever happened to you? On the job, somewhere, unfairly treated. You're in good company. But Jesus wanted to be familiar and be a man of sorrows so he would know everything that you've gone through. He was stripped naked. And what does that represent? We dress it up many times in the pictures. We put Jesus with a loincloth on. But did you know the reality was he, they hung him on that cross with nothing, stripped him naked. And what that represented when you hung somebody, dying on a cross was already a terrible, terrible thing. But then to strip you naked and hang you on that cross was just a way to shame you even more. So the nakedness represents shame. You ever been shameful in your life? You ever messed up so bad that you just put yourself where you just had so much shame in your life? He wanted to know that for you, to be acquainted with your grief. They took a crown of thorns. They jammed it on his head. Uh, those thorns over there, if you go over there and you look at them, they're, they're an inch to two inch uh, long. And they put it on his head. And then when they got it on his head, they just literally jammed it down on his head. He suffered for you and for me. They spit on him. They struck him. They whipped him. They pulled out his beard. Uh, literally says he was beaten beyond recognition, that the, nobody could even recognize him that knew him. Then they made him, I don't know if you know this detail either, the cross that they would have to carry weighed about 100 pounds. So they've already beaten him as far as they can beat him, and they gave him those lashes, and uh, it was 39 lashes, and it's 39 is a very significant number because it was pretty much well known that 40 lashes would kill a man. So they went 39 lashes. They pulled up just short of killing him. And so they beat him to where he's almost dead. Then they take a rough, not a smooth sanded down cross, but a rough piece of wood with splinters and everything. They put it on his back. It weighs about 100 pounds. And they tell him to carry his cross when he's just almost been beaten to death. And they make him carry it down the Via Dolorosa. And if you go over there, you can walk the Via Dolorosa. And the Via De Rosa takes you from Jerusalem where they whipped him to Golgotha. And it's 650 yards. Six and a half football fields. Almost dead, carrying this 100-pound cross. And people yelling, screaming on the side of the road, spitting on him. And, of course, we know the story. He can't make it all the way. Simon is recruited to carry it the rest of the way um, then once they get him there they take seven inch nails seven inch spikes and they drive them into his wrists and his feet and he hung on the cross and he's losing blood all day in the heat of the day just losing blood you don't die a quick death on a cross the whole point of dying on a cross is a slow painful death Go to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 8 and 9. It says this, again, this is Isaiah prophesying. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Now, this verse right here says they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. That is a prophecy because there was no way Isaiah could have known that a rich guy named Joseph of Arimathea was going to show up and say, I've already got a tomb. I'm going to give this tomb to bury Jesus in. 
So with the rich at his death, Joseph of Arimathea, that fulfills that prophecy. Uh, if you remember, in Old Testament times, there was a deal called Passover, and it was, uh, it was started, they would celebrate it once a year because it celebrated when the Passover was when uh, the death angel came. And uh, the death angel was going to, uh, if you didn't have the blood of a lamb painted over your doorpost, then your child would die. And so uh, Passover was represented with the blood of the lamb was put over that doorpost. And if the blood of the lamb was on your doorpost, the death angel would pass over you. And that, again, that was a foreshadow. We call that a foreshadow. That was a foreshadow of Jesus coming and spilling his blood. And when you give your life to Christ, that's like you putting the blood of the precious lamb on your doorpost. Satan has no hold on you. Satan has no power over you because the blood of the lamb covers your doorpost. The gift of myrrh for the baby Jesus was also a foreshadowing of the death of this baby for the sins of all mankind. We're going to go now from Isaiah to Luke chapter 9, verses 22 and 23. Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised, be raised the third day. Then he said to them all, now this is Jesus talking, predicting his own death. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Can I say this? Most of us, we're looking to be somebody. Most of us, we're looking for a title or a position of authority. Or we're looking for everybody to look at me. That's exactly the problem Jesus had with all the religious leaders was they wanted to wear these big robes and all of this jewelry and they wanted to parade in front of everybody and they wanted to say, basically, look at me. Look how holy I am. Look at me. Look at everything that I'm wearing. Look how holy I am. And can I tell you this? This is what scripture says. If anyone desires to come after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It is not about being somebody. I'm nobody. You're nobody. If you're looking for a title or a position of authority, you got your mind messed up. You must deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. Was Jesus looking for a title? Jesus told the truth, told who he was, but he was not looking for a throne to sit on. Not at that point. He wasn't looking for any recognition. He wasn't looking for fancy robes or jewelry. He was just coming. I have come to pay the price. I've come to pay for the sins of all mankind. He was a suffering servant. And the key word there is servant. God has not called us to be important. God has called us to be servants, to wash the feet of everyone around us. Uh, he was pierced for a lot of different things. So let me take that uh, scripture from Isaiah and let me give you this. He was pierced for a spouse's adultery. Maybe that rings home with you. Maybe a spouse was unfaithful. Maybe somebody was unfaithful. He was pierced for that one, that spouse's adultery. He was whipped so the sick person could be healed. He was crushed for the wife who has lost her husband or the child who grew up without a father. We always want to say, I don't understand why God allows these things to happen, but I want you to understand, God knows your suffering. And he was pierced for our pain. He was pierced for all of those things. I'm going to ask the band to come back up, and we're going to sing one last song. But I want to last slide up, if you would. And I want you to know this. Uh, there is a name that we give and here at Christmas time, and that name is Emmanuel. That's what it says Jesus was. He is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Jesus came, and he was God with us. 
He was not that baby in a manger, but he was the Lamb of God who died for you and for me. And so we need to understand, I know that on Christmas, we kind of concentrate on that baby in the manger. But can I tell you this, uh, that leads to the Lamb who died on the cross. Now, the cool thing is, uh, we'll celebrate Easter in a few months, but you can't have Easter without Christmas. You can't have the cross without the baby in a manger. Jesus had to leave his throne in heaven, leave his glory in heaven, and come and suffer and die for you and me. And we celebrate that on Easter, but guess what? He had to come first, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Uh, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If you're here today and you would say, Brother Mark, I, uh, I don't know if I know for sure where I'm at with the Lord. Maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you were saved a long time ago and you've wandered from the Lord. Maybe you need to come this morning and just recommit yourself to Christ. Maybe you need to come and give your heart to Jesus. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. If you that's you this morning, you need to recommit yourself or give your heart to Christ. Pray this prayer in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to wash me of all my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I believe you died on that cross for me and my sins. And I give you my heart and my life right now. You prayed that prayer today. I want you to come in just a moment. Brother Martin's going to be over here. He'll be here to pray with you. I'll be right here. We would love to pray with you. If you would need to join the church, whatever you need to do as we sing this song, uh, you can come. Let's all stand if you would, and we're going to sing this song about our good, good Father. You come as you need to. Oh, me deeper still as you 
God is good. Amen. You be seated for just a second. And uh, we've had some wonderful decisions. Stand right here, Angelia. This is uh, Angelia Smith. If you hadn't met her, you've missed a blessing already. Amen. Because uh, she is sunshine and uh, sunshine and rainbows, right? <laughs> Angelia comes this morning and she says, uh, I believe God is calling me to this place. So she comes to join our church this morning. Amen. A statement of her faith. And, uh, man, get to know her. She is uh, a blessing, a big blessing. Move right down here if you would. And then Miss Teresa Stout comes. Miss Teresa, you come. Miss Teresa comes to me and she says this morning, she says, Brother Mark, uh, I've just had some struggles here lately. And I, instead of running towards God, I've been running away from God. And I want to come back to him. I want to recommit myself to Christ today. Amen. So give uh, Teresa a big hand if you would. And, uh, and we want to rejoice with them. God is so good. Uh, I can't think of a better time right here around Christmas time. Amen. Uh, to make these decisions. Greatest gift we can give God is ourselves. He doesn't need any money. He doesn't need cash. He don't need a gift card. He wants us. He wants our heart. He wants all of us. Amen. And so, uh, ladies, uh, thank y'all for just uh, making today special. Amen. And I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to come by and uh, uh, shake their hand, hug their neck, tell them how proud you are of them. And uh, listen, uh, don't forget, as we get closer to Christmas, uh, to just uh, uh, put the focus on the right things. Again, let's uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus on this angel tree and just uh, helping these kids have a Christmas that come. We have such a great ministry on Wednesday nights and Sundays to reach some of these kids uh, that just uh, are not as fortunate as us. And, uh, and uh, we wanna, want them to be able to enjoy Christmas time also. Uh, so you give, uh, give generously, if you would, towards that. Uh, well, God bless you. Uh, let's all stand and let's just uh, ask the Lord to bless us as we go out. Father, we're going to enter our mission field now. We're going to go out these doors. And God, I pray that you'd give us uh, boldness to go and just share the gospel with others and to invite others into the house of God. Uh, Lord, I pray that, God, we wouldn't be quiet. We wouldn't be like little quiet mice. We'd be like roaring lions as we go out from this place today. Thank you for these ladies and their decisions for you. I pray that, God, you would just uh, honor their decisions and their step of faith and just uh, draw them closer into you than they've ever been before in their lives. And we ask you to give us a great rest of the day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, one second, one second. One more thing I want to just not let go by. Um, our very own Miss Tracy Littles. Do you, did Autumn graduate yesterday? Her daughter, uh, Autumn, who is part of our youth group, one of Amanda and I's kids, graduated from Sam Houston State University. I wanted to did a great job raising that. Amen, amen. Good job, Miss Tracy. Miss Judy Lewis's birthday. Oh, yeah. Don't ask her how many. Amen. All right. God bless you. You're dismissed.